Jonathan Lawrence. Great through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller has scored for Stone. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. As the 2016-17 campaign concludes with a rare three points for the Potters, the Wizards look back on a season that has divided fans from start to finish and look forward to years of strong and stable leadership from Mark Hughes. But we won't be all doom and gloom on this pod, as not only will we be looking at the Southampton game, we'll be giving out prizes in our first ever Wizards of Drivel end of season awards. And I'm joined once again by Chris Brammer. Good evening, Dave, and congratulations on reaching the end of the season. <laughs> and congratulations on reaching the end of the season to you, Ben Cartwright. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'd like to thank my mum, I'd like to thank my dad. <laughs> OK, um, before we get started on our sort of end of season discussion, uh, just quick words on the Southampton game. Um, I'd love to offer my own opinions on this game. But I was watching John Parkin tear up Wembley for York City. <laughs> like like the true plastic I am, I didn't go to the Southampton game and I've seen uh, highlights only. So, Chris, perhaps Ooh. you are able to tell me more about this one. <laughs> yeah, will be able to. Of, course I, of course I will. Um, so, yeah, do you know what? Uh, <laughs> it, it, would be, it would be harsh to say, but I think everyone would agree that there wasn't really much of an exciting feel towards the game. Um, it really didn't feel like it meant anything. Um, it was one of those games where I can't say that we played particularly well or particularly badly. Um, we definitely were a lot better in the second half than we were in the first half. Um, Jack Butland is superb, Dave. He's the best keeper in the world, but don't tell anyone because then they'll buy him and we don't want that. Um, but I mean, it's it's really difficult to actually review it. Yeah, it was it was a game that happened and we won. And Peter Crouch scored his fiftieth headed goal in the Premier League. So there you go. There's a, a nice marquee for him. Um, but it was it just kind of happened, and it's it's good that we finished the season on a win. But it was just it just happened, and now it's done. Ben, in, in true Stoke style, we're finishing the season uh, last on match of the day once again. Uh, even when we win, they don't put us on. It's a disgrace, isn't it, Ben? We're boring. We said this last week. I I, I did predict what, what place we'd finish in last week, and I can't remember what it was, but it, you said we'd be 16th, so I, I got like a bit closer than you, I think. Anyway, I, I didn't watch the game either, to be honest. Um, my take on the game were Muniesa didn't start in a three at the back, which was perplexing. We were starting a 3-4-3, which was also perplexing. Crouch got a goal, which was good for him. Um, Juf was starting at right wing back again, which I find completely perplexing. And a guy turned up to the game in speedos and got a shirt off Crouch, so that's that's nice for him as well. And that's all. <laughs> that's about all I know from the game, because the only highlight I watched was, was the actual goal. Um, delightful cross from the old American and Crouch just nods it in like he always does mm-hmm. according to Danny Higginbotham which I thought mm-hmm. was a bit of a question comment from him anyway on commentary but anyway um, yeah, yeah I think it's only right having having had such a moan last week that we give credit where credit is due and whilst I'm not going to 
get carried away and claim like, oh, Stoke are back now, you know. Um, Southampton are a, a better side than us, certainly have mm-hmm. been this season. Uh, they've got good players. Uh, and as we we were all wrong last week, we all thought we were going to go and lose this game quite comfortably. So uh, we need to hold our hands up there, I suppose. And the, the players did uh, perform above expectations, I suppose. So mm-hmm. we, do, we do have to... Um, we do have to acknowledge that. Um, yeah, it is an end-of-season game. You know, anything can happen, really. But I think this is the fourth season in the row Mark Hughes has won his last game of the season. We mm-hmm. we always tend to do well in this fixture. Um, so, yeah, a, a good three points. Um, sounds like the Stokies who went had a, had a mighty fine day out. So, um, I think it was sort of confirmed... Uh, in the run-up to this game, that Mark Hughes would be staying. Well, not officially confirmed, but uh, all all reports pointed towards that. So, um, it, it's good that it's good that we've ended the season with three points and not finished as low down the table as we might have done. Um, so, yeah, that leads us into looking at the season as a whole. Then, I suppose, Chris, we finished two points off eighth. What's everybody moaning about? Everyone's moaning about how we've played football. I think we've said it every time and time again, and and, every, and everyone agrees. And whenever Robbie Savage gets on his microphone and says, "Yeah, but Stoke, they're two points off eight, everyone jumps in and says, "No, but look how we play football, Robbie. We know we're capable of a lot better. And the fact that we are two points off eight, and we know there are matches that we have completely messed up this season." kind of makes it more frustrating because I think you said it last week Dave this hasn't been a good league this season there have been some very very good teams at the top and the mid table has been relatively poor I'd say I think it was quite noticeable yesterday that teams well from Southampton down to be below us were all saying they've had a poor season and it's just one of those where Stoke have we've not played well this season and the frustrating thing is that for most fans it seems so easily fixed you know there are cert- like it's it's not like it's this big unknown mystery of how how have we not how have we not picked up more points we know that we've been frail at the back we know that informed players have been dropped and others kept in we know that it's been a, a mess up of a season slash 18 months. Um, and I think that's the, the frustration for me would be that, yeah, we're two points off, off eighth. If we'd have had as good a season as we know we could have had, where could Stoke have finished this season? Because it's, it's all well and good saying that, that, that where you finish in the league is dependent on, you know, how strong a uh, season other teams have, but it, it, something special could have been there for the taking if, we now look back on the rest of the the league, and it, it, it's with it's with a big sigh that you look back and just think nothing of nothing memorable really happened this year, and that's that's sad. Can I can yeah. I ask a question of 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 Chris or of you, Dave, or either of you really on a point that you brought up there, Chris? You you mentioned how. Um, there's all these mid-table sides that are sort of come off come off the back of the season, and everyone's like, "Oh, we've had a bad season there," which is it's a quite strange sort of thing to happen. Do you think the amount of money through inflation, probably the amount of money 
um, that mid-table sides like ourselves, like the Southamptons, like um, West Ham's, that amount of money that we're spending is inflating fans like us sort of expect expectations of our seasons. But it's never going to be possible that everyone's going to be happy. Obviously, no, no, everyone's happy, but we've got all these teams at a similar level and none of them are ever going to be satisfied with, yeah. with what we finish up with. You, you, raise a, you raise a good point there. Just a, a, a couple of thoughts I had on the two finishing two points off eighth situation. Um, first of all, as you say, Chris, there are so many games this season where you just think, oh, God, we've missed missed a real good chance there. And we said last week, like, the actual position in and of itself doesn't really bother us. You know, we could finish 15th or 7th, but it depends on, on how we sort of play the game, really. How we... If, do we look like we know what we're doing? Do we look like we have a sense of direction, a sense of purpose? And the frustration for me is that we haven't looked like having that all season. But it, easily, you know, for want of dropping two points at home to Leicester when they were down to 10 men, yeah. for want of yeah, that yeah, yeah. game... We could have finished eighth, which is, would have been our highest Premier League position ever, yep. which just seems crazy, which gets on to the point you just raised there, Ben, about all these mid-table teams who have underwhelmed, had disappointing seasons, because there is this big gap between, uh, well, I'd say there's even a gap between the top five, then you've got Man United, then you've got Everton somewhere below them, mm-hmm. and then there's the the remaining 11, 11 or so clubs until you get to Middlesbrough and Sunderland, you know. Uh, so your, your point about money is is a fair one because this is a time in Premier League history where, you know, we can buy Jordan Shaqiri, Palace can buy Kabai, you know. Mid-table, mediocre teams can attract the much higher quality of player. Now, do, does that mean we've got too high expectations Possibly, but at the same time, I don't think if you did a survey of Stoke fans before the season, any of them would honestly expect higher than eighth at most. I don't think very many Stoke fans would have said, well, we've got Shakiri, Bojan Arnautovic now. We've got a proper good team now, so I reckon we're going to finish in the top six. I don't think anyone would say that, and I don't think Palace fans would say that. I don't think Southampton fans would say that. So... Yeah, your point is a good one, but I think the general point is that the expectations of the team on the pitch, how they perform, have have been raised. Not how we do in the league, how we actually play, set up tactically, and you know the kind of football we're playing. You know, I think a big difference as well between this season and last season, in my mind, was last season there was a number of occasions. After after big games, after big wins, there was a number of big wins that we got in that season. You would start thinking almost in your head, "Oh, if we win the next couple of games, then we really could be up there challenging for the European place." Like I know, and I know that's that is above our that is above our level. But there was that sort of dream, and it was like, "Oh my goodness, this is this this could happen." And obviously, it never did, and that's fair enough. And we are happy with ninth this season. We've never even been close to that. It's always been, well, for the first time in so long, we've been looking over our shoulders instead of. So forwards, and, and there's never yeah. been that sort of we we could take it to the next level because we've already even reached like average level. We've reached yeah. average level sort of very that, occasionally. That's a really really good point. Like to to put it poetically, we've not been allowed to dream this season. Like there has, <laughs> there, but it's true. There's been no yeah. dream moments where we score. Uh, yeah. We've we've had an unlikely win. Um, 
No we, FA Cup run, no League Cup no, run. Both absolutely yeah, cutting the bird. And 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 we've all had the same frustration that Mark Hughes doesn't know his his best eleven, and so we're not we're not feeling like the 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 team that goes out there and plays is playing a particularly um, fascinating and sexy style. So there there hasn't been a lot to really wet your appetite with football wise this season from Stoke. It has been um, a very just mundane season. We've we've beaten the teams below us. We've lost against the ones above us. We've been inconsistent. And 2016-17 just happened. And that's yeah. kind of the summary, isn't it? Yeah, we, you get a sense we didn't really participate in the Premier League this season. We We just kind of made up the numbers a bit, which may be being harsh, but again... Yeah, we, we, we've got no standout moments. Just, uh, yeah, a couple of points you raised there were really good. I, I thought um, on the on the sort of potentially getting into Europe thing, again, like I say, it's not that we expect it. It's that we we never seize the initiative. We never look like, we this season, we've never looked like having a, a sniff at it. To have a sniff at it, you need a couple of, good months maybe just a really good run just to get people excited and that can get and towards the end of the season that can go either way you can either seize the initiative and and challenge for those European places or you might fall away but at least you've had that moment of thinking oh wow if if we get the right results you know we can really challenge for the top seven eight places in the league but that yeah that's never really happened this season um and a lot of people have made this point to me, and I'm just I'm struggling to understand it. People have said to me, like, "Well, look at the teams around us; they've all been not very good this season." And that's almost a kind of excuse for us being bad. Mm-hmm. And I've just I'm failing to understand that. Yeah, no, surely it should be the the all these teams around us were bad. Why have we not took advantage of that? Is, would be my question. Uh, yeah, like, exactly. It, I, I don't see how they are how they are relative because it that would imply that all the the teams around us have been bad because the top what five, uh, five six have been so good they've blown all those bottom half teams out of the water. But we know that we've watched the performances. We know that our performances against mid table teams and those low and around us have been questionable it's do you know what like Chelsea have been phenomenal this season Spurs have been phenomenal this season but I wouldn't say that it's a case of yeah do you know what those teams there they've really blown everyone else away and it's like two two um separate leagues because I mean Look at it. City well, went through a right uh, stage this season where, like, the media yeah. are ga- going after Guardiola, and it. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's. Yeah, we've been but rubbish at, because the they've been time, great. But at the same time, a cursory glance at the league table will will show you there is a a big oh, gap yeah. between seventh and and the rest of the league. So, is is it the case that the top seven are are blowing us out of the water, or is it? 13 teams have just simply yeah. not performed up to snuff that's, because that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking yeah when you were saying that Chris it was like Chelsea I don't think Chelsea have sort of blown the teams away I think 
a lot of the times they they could have been beaten, but the, the, frankly, frankly, there isn't a team in the bottom half you you sort of back to beat them. You got we finished four points above Watford, and Watford are what ops absolutely toilet, really, really, <laughs> really bad at football, and we finished four points yeah. above them. So it's it's our season, I'm not trying to say, oh my goodness, this is the end of the world. Our season's been so bad because it is that that's the nature of the league this season that there are so many teams in, on the same number of points, but it, it is just frightening that if if as much as you can say, if a few results went our way, like that Leicester game, like the, may I mentioned the Manchester United game when Rooney scores that that sort of free kick late on, if those games go for us at the same point, other games go against us, we would be absolutely shitting ourselves. So <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, as I said, every club from eighth down, with the exception of possibly West Brom, but even they did their did the usual Tony Pulis. Uh, panic crunching against the four, get to forty points thing, like no no club below Everton is is saying wow we had a really good season, well maybe Southampton because they got to a, a final well, no. I suppose well no because Southampton are wanting to get rid of the manager aren't they oh well, yeah exactly. So exactly they they see they see this season as a failure based on the football that they've played so mm. I think they've been incredibly inconsistent as well but I don't mm, want to take yeah. anything away from our win so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um any any other points on this season? Uh we we do we do kind of get in the habit, don't we, of talking about the same things over and over again. Uh so I would just say from my perspective that um going forward now, th- this is one for you all to think about. Going forward, what do we expect from Mark Hughes because expectations is the kind of I think it's the kind of nub of the sticking point the nub of the sticking point I don't think that's a phrase <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's it's the it's the sticking point between kind of all fan kind of disagreement which we'll get onto later it's this expectations game it's uh, is it is it it's it's how much certain fans expect versus how much other fans expect based on these reasons so for my money, I don't care where we finish next season as long as we're safe and I want us to compete in the Cups and bring back the flair that we have so badly lacked this season. That That's that's my minimum expectation for Mark Hughes next season. Um, perhaps that's asking too much. Perhaps, you know, pretty football uh, is overestimating where we are but that that's what I want to see I'm, but I'd, I'd, at the same time having said that I don't want to be like a West Brom fan saying like oh I'd finish 17th if we played tippy tappy stuff all the time That that's that's not what I want I want to reintroduce flair and also have the team play an effective style of football let's put it that way yeah, yeah I, w- I was I was thinking about it you brought it up earlier um, when we were talking and, and I was thinking about what I want I mean it's I would argue it's pretty basic. You want to have a team that sets up for the for the team that they're playing against, which I think has caused a lot of frustration in my mind and maybe a few other people as well, that it seems that we don't know... We sort of try and play the same way against a Chelsea as we do against a Watford. Like, we play this, we try and pack the midfield this season and, and I don't really understand that. I would, I'd much prefer to do a season where against a team like Watford, we, we go for it, we, we give freedom to the players like Bojan, um, who's hopefully coming back but then against Chelsea I really don't mind if, if we if we play like we did against Man United at home where there's 
countless chances for them, but somehow we pull off a draw. That's great for me. I love that. I think that's that sort of siege mentality is is great. Um, up, backs against the wall, but we need to next season. I expect Mark Hughes to go for those games, and and I don't know if it's a fact in in his mind that as much as we as fans have got a bit frightened this season of of how it's going wrong, maybe in his mind that's happened a bit. And this break, this season's now over, he can sort of reevaluate, take stock of, of where we are, what players we have, and then we go at it again next season with a with a different mindset where this season we might have lost our way a bit midway through because it wasn't going so well. And Mark Hughes in his mind was thinking, right, I, I really need to sort of make sure we're safe, so I'm just going to go back to basics, which it, it's worked because we're, we're safe, but we really need to sort of, yeah, up, up the ante next season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Chris. I've yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't have a um, a bare minimum, but I do have a a criteria here of which I will judge Mark Hughes because I think <laughs> last week I got angry, very angry, <laughs> and and you know I I attacked a few people, um, and that was just on the street, and that was ex- <laughs> yeah. I turned I turned into a Millwall fan, um, but. I, Mark Hughes for me last week after the Arsenal game had to go and the in the week that followed as we've discussed the, the paper talk is he's staying and whilst I feel that there is a majority of Stoke fans who are mystified by that decision and um, oh angry angry I am I think they're still willing ex- willing to accept that position and you know what even from me after how angry I was last week and how (laughs) frustrated and almost unable to see how Mark Hughes could fix it I am willing to if, if, if it's Peter Coates's decision to keep Mark Hughes then I am all for getting behind this team and pushing on uh, next season but I think Mark Hughes needs to be judged against a harsh criteria because if things don't start going in a good way next season things will turn venomous for him um, so for me going forwards I think this summer is crucial to Mark Hughes in the sense that we, we definitely need to to strengthen this team we need to get younger players in we need to look for a replacement for Glenn Whelan we need to get some fullbacks in who are younger I don't want us to go after Zabaleta and Clichy as, as good as a player as they they were I, I don't want us to replace Phil Bardsley with an, another player who's over the age of 30 um, I, I also think and I'm willing to accept if Mark Hughes is staying and Bojan and comes back and he says Bojan I'm selling you an Imbula I will accept it if Mark Hughes replaces those players because we need a number 10 and we need a midfielder in that mould of Gianelli Imbula and I think the most crucial thing for me is well no, another thing he also needs to start moving some players out uh, like he, he does like and, we, we've... and he needs to uh, bring back bring in card payments at the bet three six five and I could do with a yeah. cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but, uh, the main thing interviews. For, <laughs> the main thing for me 
is Mark Hughes needs to start next season well. We can't have the same thing that he's done at every other start of the season where we start the season poorly. He needs to start the season well because if he doesn't and we go through to November and we haven't picked up a a win, it's going to be nasty. And then I, I don't see the point in keeping him around for seven, ten games for us then to be like, yeah, it's not working, goodbye, and have to crisis manage that team in the middle of the season. You've, it, it's got to go well from the off. I think, I, like, think, yeah. I think the bare no, minimum the bare minimum for Mark Hughes, let's be simple, the bare minimum expectation is that something needs to change. and it, it, Something, I, I, we might not be able to sort of define what needs to change specifically, but something needs to change. And, and if by this time next season we're sitting here talking on the podcast about something that's changed for the better, then I'll be happy. And if Mark Hughes is at the helm, then fair play. If it's someone else, then fair play. We just want it to be better. Yeah. And whatever way that is going to happen, it's going to happen. And, and I think the crucial thing is, um, as angry as Mark Hughes has made me this season, I want him to do well because it's in our best interests if Mark Hughes does well. Like, this is almost why I'm will- I am willing to accept that Mark Hughes stays because I want him to turn it around. I want him to prove me and everyone else who says hashtag Hughes out wrong because we want Stoke to do well. And we've played some good stuff under Mark Hughes. We know we can do it. I, 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 I want that to happen again. And so please, Mark, do something good. What a message to end the season on. Um so you've had our thoughts, uh, but we asked our listeners to get in touch with their thoughts on this season. So uh, thank you to everyone who sent in clips to sort of uh, sum up how they think this season has gone. So thank you to Zach, Ben Rowley, Henry Coiter, John Dykes, Samuel Shepherd, Dan Strong and Tom Thrower for these clips you're about to hear. What up, Ducks? Uh, Zach here, recording in Colorado where we inexplicably got about a foot of snow at the end of May. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Here I am. Um, It's been a frustrating season, as I think everybody can admit. Um, Never really got started. You know, some of our favorite players have been iced out of the team. There's no real need to elaborate this. If you're listening to the Wizards of Drivel, you already know how we kind of feel about these things. Not a lot of memorable moments. Muniesa's goal against Burnley was pretty great. Uh, Shaq scored a couple worldies as he's, you know, going to do. Um, You know, I personally, I got to go to England. That was cool. Got to meet uh, a whole bunch of my internet friends. Got to meet Boyan, even though he was really, really sad. Um, Despite what anybody says, I had nothing to do with him going out on loan. If anything, I'm more heartbroken. Um... Yeah, it's kind of upsetting that Hughes is still staying. I'm hoping he'll be out on Sunday or afterwards. I don't really see us beating Southampton, even though this podcast might be released after the game. I imagine it probably will be. Um, I'm just really worried that he's going to have a slow start to the season, like he always does, and then he's going to get sacked in October, and by then all the good options like Marco Silva, etc., will no longer be around, and then we'll end up having to get managed by Steve Bruce or Alan Pardew or something. And I don't know. It's been it's been depressing. Um, worried that he's going to sell some fan favorites this summer, kind of popping off at the supporters 
in the interviews. I don't like it. I don't like his attitude. Um, he's had no personality at all for four years, and he finally develops one, and it's just kind of a snark at us. And I don't appreciate that. Um, but, you know, it's been fun to follow and complain with all you guys all season. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to complaining all summer and then again next year. And on the bright side, when we get relegated, tickets will be cheaper in the championship. So maybe you'll see me again in person. Hey up, guys. Ben Roller here. And these are my thoughts for the end of the 2016-17 season. It's been a poor season, to be honest. We've not achieved the targets that we wanted in the league or the cup. We got knocked out in the first rounds of both of the cups and we've definitely finished bottom half of the Premier League, which we didn't want. We've conceded too many goals, especially four in a game too many times. We've let our star players decline and we've been playing some pretty bad football as well. My highlight would have to probably be the Stoke versus Southampton game at the Bet365 Stadium. The nil-nil, even though it was... A dull scoreline, it showed so much passion in that game. My low light would probably be the 4-1 Arsenal loss at home. It it was completely the opposite to that. It was so drab and an awful Stoke performance. Lifeless, considering that it was against a team that we probably hate the most in the Premier League. My player of the season probably our new loan signing, Bruno Martins-Indy. I think he's been fantastic, although I wouldn't hold back from giving it to Lee Grant who did receive the award in the end there's been plenty of calls for Mark Hughes to be sacked this season you know with his poor game management in general his poor PR with the fans I think just not letting us know what's going on at the club and there's a lot of fans that are worried for next season myself partially included but you know there's reasons that have worked against him as well we've had injuries we've had players like maybe Gianelli and Buller that's not quite worked out as we'd hoped and maybe because we've had less media coverage, maybe that's why Mark Hughes hasn't received a sack yet. In my opinion, if we give next season a couple of games, a few games, just to let Hughes work his interesting plans for the summer, I think we could have a decent summer. If he's backed properly, maybe he could lower the average age of the squad and bring in some youth. And I think there's definitely potential for a fresh start. Um, I wouldn't count this season to be the norm from now on. I definitely think that we can push on from this season and use this as motivation to work harder for next season. Either way, we do need that improvement from next season. This season hasn't been good enough, but I think overall this could, whichever way it goes, whether we get a new manager or not, just show that we can't be complacent in the Premier League. And I'm looking forward to see what we can do next season. Hello, everyone. My name is Henry, also known as the Dutch Potter on Twitter, and today I will be giving my opinions on Stoke's Premier League campaign from the 2016-2017 season for the last episode of the The Wizards of Drivel podcast. First of all, I would love to show my appreciation for the podcast. It's been a pleasure to listen to and I'm sure it will be even better next season. I've just seen our, la- our last game against Southampton and I got to say... This has been one of the best games of our season. It just hasn't been as exciting as it was in the previous years. Pretty disappointed with the 13th place finish. We just weren't good enough this season because we didn't really have the goal-getting striker that we needed and we really didn't have any consistency apart from that A-game and beaten streak. But I'm sure we'll be a lot better next season if we get the striker and maybe even get a new manager. 
That was my opinion on Stoke this season. I wish you all a great summer and I can't wait for the first podcast of the season that lies ahead of us. This season started badly, as we've come to expect, but it's somehow gotten more disheartening as it's gone on, despite an upturn from disastrous form in the first eight games. Things went from bad to boring, when a string of encouraging but ultimately uninspiring victories against very poor teams seemed to right the ship. From there, Stoke have never really looked in danger of getting dragged into the fight for relegation, and I dared to dream that this would be like seasons gone by with a slow start before kicking on. This was simply not to be the case. With a toothless and highly frustrating home defeat to Bournemouth ending what would turn out to be our only good run of the season, the theme for the rest of the campaign will be increasing anger at Mark Hughes for baffling selections, tactics and substitutions. 16-17 will be remembered as a season no one can remember. There's not been a definitive performance or a famous result as we've been treated to in the past. There's been no excitement or buzz around the team, with the possible exception of Ramadan, who has himself become a point of contention as he's been repeatedly left out by Hughes for reasons that only he can know. This year we've had no cup run to mention. We've rolled over against the big teams and drearily stumbled past those around us. We've slept, we sleepwalked our way into next year's Premier League. It feels like I've gone from hoping the season would improve to just hoping it would end by, middle, by the middle of March. So well done, Mark Hughes, for doing away with all those pesky expectations you're forever bemoaning. This season has been a poor one for Stoke, no matter how I spin it. Uh, I actually got out to my first game when Stoke played Chelsea at the Bet365, and that was a great time, so I'll always remember that game in this season in detail. Unfortunately, that's where it ends with the positives. Um, despite my favorite player, Crouchy, uh, he got back into the team. Uh, he led the team in goals and got his 100th goal, but we need someone to bang in more than 10 in a season. Arnie and Doof have done that, uh, but they didn't look anywhere near finding that form. Further, our, uh, our marquee signing, Saito Berahino, has been awful, and I understand he needs time to get his form back but he hasn't looked comfortable at all in front of goal. Uh, Lee Grant was really, really good in the early stages. He got us a few points from Manchester United, um, but since Jack Butlin is back, there's really no way he'll get back in the team. Uh, Bruno Martinzindi has been really good, but as a, as a unit, our defense has been awful. Uh, Hughes has exiled some of our most talented players, which would be a little bit more excusable if we actually won games. Uh, I mean, we're about to take a monetary loss on Mbula, who barely got a game. Admittedly, I wasn't impressed with him or Boyan, but I'm not impressed with Whelan or Adam either. Uh, I don't know if Hughes should stay or go. Uh, he needs to bring in a set of fullbacks and maybe another midfielder if Mbula does leave, and or he has no plans on playing Mbula. But at the very least, we'll have to change out the old guard because we're not getting the wins from them. Uh, I think we've just been unlucky at times. Uh, I can't help but think of the goal we conceded just after Arnie missed a penalty at Swansea. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Tom Carroll who scored the harshest deflection I've ever seen. Pretty much just sums up the season of missed opportunities and harsh punishment. 2016-17, it hasn't been the best of seasons for Stoke, but it could have been a whole lot worse. That's what we've got to remember. I'm not someone that always says remember where we came from, but put it into perspective, we were two points away from eighth place. Yes, the amount of points that we actually gained might, you know, point towards a false position, considering that the league was a whole lot less, uh, had a lot less quality in it than previous seasons, shall we say. Um, hopefully, you know, 
Hughes gets his act together during the summer. I am Hughes out, but we've got to get behind him. He's not going anywhere. Let's get all have a good summer. Um, come back with a fresh mindset uh, for the new season, and hopefully we see our best players utilised. Come on, Stoke, and to all my fellow Stokers, have a good summer. Hi lads. So um, yeah, review of the season. It's uh, it's just been pretty crap, really, hasn't it? It's it's not been good enough at all. It's been really poor. It's just been bad performance after bad performance, sprinkled with a few okay performances, and I think that's all they really are. Um, and I think one of the things that most people seem to forget is just how damn good the squad is. We have such a squad of talented players who. A, for themselves, won't really want to be finishing sort of 15th, 14th in the league. And B, shouldn't be finishing 14th, 15th in the league. And they're, they're much better than that. Um, and I think it, we've shown at times that it, it just needs some kind of tactical tweak. Because uh, you look at the Man City performance, um, where we really were clearly tactically drilled. And we held off Guardiola, which is massive achievement that's probably my performance of the season for the team um, but we, we showed our qualities and it's something we haven't been able to do enough this season um, and going forward I'm, I'm quite worried really from this season the squad isn't really filled with the kind of players you'd want to be in and around a relegation scrap and that is what looks like could be awaiting us next season so hopefully we don't get to that but yeah on a whole, this season has been really underwhelming, really disappointing, and we failed to really show the quality that we have in our squad. Right, we're back. So, <laughs> welcome, one and all, to the first annual Wizards of Drivel End of Season Awards. We may as well just crack on with our first award, and that is for Wizards of Drivel Player of the Season. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, what are your thoughts in this regard? Um, obviously, we've had a great season. There's just countless different players that we'll be able to pick. So I don't want to sort of take too long on, on each player because we've got a lot of players to go through now. Um, I think the thing is with the player of the season, I, I, I'm not sure if it was controversial who the official one went to, but I think it's important to remember with this one, guys, is the players of the season in this context aren't always the best player because if it was if it was the best player, then... Sort of Arnautovic would win it every time for me, I think, because I think he's our best player. But he hasn't had the best season. Um, I think there's a couple of choices, but for moments of excitement, which these awards often go to, whether you agree or not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for Jordan Shakiri because I, I just, I, someone suggested it the other day, and I, I think he's, he's had so many great moments. Well, you're pulling a very bad face. Nah, Dave. I can't agree with that. Whilst I agree with your points about excitement, play, player of the season uh, would have to have played uh, for more than two minutes this season before going off with a hamstring injury. Yeah, I, t- I perfectly take your point about Shakiri bringing excitement when he has played. It's just that I think he's played so little and in such such, such kind of patches that it's hard to... It's hard to give him an award. How many, when he's, how many of our great goals this season? How many of our best goals were scored by Jordan Shakiri? How many of the best moments going forward were created well, by well, Jordan Shakiri? Well, well, you, you've you've kind of narrowed your own criteria there by by saying it's about going forward and 
for my but, money, the, the the player of the season isn't a player that's that's going forward. Well, no, I'm I'm not saying that completely, <laughs> but I think in a in a season where we haven't been fantastic at the back or the front, I'm looking for a player that sort of proved a bit of a difference, proved a bit of a spark, and I think Shakiri's done that for us. I know that's controversial. I might get a bit of a bit of crap for that, but. I like. I think he's been. I think he's been great when he's played for us. I don't think he's played as as little as as you're saying. I think he's been influential when it's when he's needed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, thoughts. Oh. Um, I for me the criteria for player of the season was for a player who came in and um made a real difference to the position that he came in with. Now I was stuck with two. Uh, the actual Stoke City player of the season, who uh, is Lee Grant and Bruno Martins Indy. Both defensive, which I think pretty much sums up our season. Um, but I-, I went for Bruno simply because um, I think that in a in a time where we were very, very unsure of the defence, we were very, very unsure of Volscheid, he uh, came in and... Uh, he's he has been undroppable uh, all season. Um, I cannot think of an instance where Bruno deserved to be dropped all season, and that is very rare for for, for the season that's just happened. Um, he's probably one of the only players here, I think, who was not to say he didn't make any mistakes, but he certainly was one of the first names on the team sheet every time for me. So. Um, for me, Bruno Martins Indy. Um, yeah, I think for consistency, um, it has to be between um, Grant and Martins Indy. But Ben, Ben still surprised me with Shakiri. That's completely thrown me, Ben. Fair play. Um, well, I, I thought I, I didn't want to have an award ceremony where we all say the same answer. Then it's like, oh yeah, that's that's no. great. Bruno, oh, yeah. Bruno well, Martins well, India's played well in defence this season. Oh yeah, well done, well done him. Come and surprise everyone. <laughs> well, well, at least stand by your answer. Don't, don't I'm standing. I'm, I'm standing by my answer, but I'm just yeah. saying. I think I'm also so, also on Shakiri. I don't think I, I don't think he's had a bad season. I just think. Also, a bit of a flat track bully. How many? How many of the great moments from Shakiri this season have been against? I know top four sides. Um, how many of our? How many? How, how many great moments this season have we had against top four sides? Well, well, exactly. Yeah, well, so it's perhaps, hard to judge. Perhaps, it's hard perhaps, to judge a player if no if perhaps. no player has had well against, has played well against top four teams, is it? Mm-hmm. That I, seems I, like I a bit of a strange I, question. The the defensive display against Man City being one of them and who one performance. Bruno Martins Indy. Look, 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 look. So, I think the player of the season is the consistent player who has made the impact to the team, regardless of whether it's attacking or defensive. It's biggest if contribution. Yeah, if you are going for the player who has caused the most moments where I've jumped out of my seat and been like, oh my God, how can you do that? The most exciting player, I will happily concede that award to Jordan Shakira. Yeah, my point, my yeah. point wasn't saying that that's deserved, by the way. Like that, my point with the, <laughs> with the attacking player was that how many of players of the year in the world, how many players are defenders? Does that mean that all the best players ever are attackers? No, it doesn't. But my point was for players mm-hmm. of the season, that is often the criteria. Yeah, you, you are. Yeah. You, yeah, you raise a very good point. Like the, how many, the how many door, goalkeepers the have won never gets Ballon d'Or? Given one, and yeah, we've had two Ballon goalkeepers in the last the two season. One our player of this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that and that's reflective of of how drab we've been in, in the last two seasons. Um, but 
uh, since it has to be a, a sort of um, it's an award from all three of us uh, I'm going to use my vote to outgun outgun Shaq and uh, give the, the first annual Wizards of Drivel Player of the Season award to Bruno Martins Indy oh. and applause for that <laughs> worryingly worryingly um, might not be here next season um <laughs> Yeah, um, but I also think uh, Lee Grant getting the uh, main award from both fans and players was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. perhaps a bit generous, but uh, I know that it's very hard to criticise anything Lee Grant's done this season yeah. because of the expectations we had of him. Let's move on quickly and to an award where I think Shaq might do well. It's the <laughs> Wizards of Drivel goal of the season. Mm-hmm. Chris. Yes. What's your goal of the season? It's uh, it's it's got to be. Well, do you know what? Do you know what? <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to, for the sake of the fact that we we we're all going to say the same one. I'm going to change it. No, no, don't and, do that. Don't do that. Yeah, if, I if, am. If all three of us go for the same one, it's fine. It it means there's a clear winner. <sighs> oh, but go but for I want, what I, you believe, Chris. Listen to your heart. Okay. I think Jordan Shakiri against Hull at yes. home is the best goal of the season. Honourable mention <laughs> to both his his other goal against Hull at the at the in, in Hull, uh, Marko Anatovic against Sunderland, because that you know the the one that was pass move pass move the one we were there for Dave where yes, we I, looked I at each it. other and hugged strangers. Um, yeah. And maybe Mark, uh, Mark Munyazes for a different reason. Mm. Ben? I think you've got to look at, in this category, players that don't <laughs> score many goals. Um, <laughs> so when, oh, so when, we, played, when we played Chelsea in January, Bruno Martins in it. No, I'm joking. Um, I thought you were going to say <laughs> Phil Bardsley against Stevenage, which would, would have actually made it a better shout. No, I, I'm not. I'm gonna. It's got to be Jordan Shakiri. There's. I'm not gonna argue. As mu- as much as that's boring, it's just just <laughs> disgusting. Disgustingly good. What a player! Yeah. What a player! What a season he has had. I'm joking. Um, yeah, I had two written down, which were Shaq against Hall and Moneyazer against Burnley. Yeah, um, I would. I would agree with that. Moneyazer's for the emotion and just the great build up and and the great finish as well. But. Uh, I think Shaq's is the only one that's threatened the match of the day goal of the month competition. So uh, I think that was, like the official award, uh, a fairly uh, predictable one. So let's move on to the... Okay, quite interesting. Wizards of Drivel Young Player of the Season. Now, uh, unlike the uh, any official award, uh, interpret young however you like. Um, <laughs> what, second... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Can I vote joke. for Charlie Adams? Don't make a joke. Don't make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, young, 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 at heart. young within reason, <laughs> player of the season. <laughs> Chris. Yeah. Well, now you now you've thrown a whole new way of categorising this award. No, um, no, I've, I've I've opened the category. You've, you've you've opened the floodgates, my friend. That's what you've done. Um, no. Um, I, I judge this based on a young player who's made an impact and uh, it, it's it got to go to Ramadan Sobi because um, 
he was a player who do you know what I we expect him to play more in the season but when he has played he has been absolutely phenomenal um, unlucky not to get more game time this year because he has been a real talent and I think that um, it's refreshing to think that if Arnie or Shakiri are out I have no worries with putting Sobby in that position OK Ben uh, Ramadan might be the bookies favourite for this award but are you going to throw in Jordan Shakiri. I'm I'm not gonna there's no spanner in these works. Um I think you gotta remember about young Ramadan Sobi is is that he's come to this country very young lad from a league that is nowhere near the standard of the Premier League, I would understand that might be incorrect, but I'm gonna judge that the, the Egyptian top flight is not anywhere near the standard that we play f- football here in England. So to do that and to do what he's done with such a plum and, and he's brought those moments of excitement and and I think there's just so much promise there for such a long for a young player and we haven't seen that at Stoke for for a long time a player um, so young doing so well so I think it has to go to Ramadan so as much as we, there's that sentimental player for, sentimental value for another player that I'm sure you're going to mention Dave it, it really has to only go to to one player for me um, yeah. Well, I, I was going to bring up Julian Ngoy for, for being uh, an under-23 player who, who's actually had minutes this season. I mean, yeah, I mean, no one in, in that team can, can say as much, even when we saw Joel Taylor in pre-season and things like that. Only Ngoy has had minutes in the first team, albeit not very many, and he's, he's been injured in these last few months. So, yeah, um, it's, it's hard to look past Ramadan, but... When I said it, like kind of op- opening up the young player category, I think the one of the shining points for me in this season as a whole has been the performance of the youth team and the, and their cup run and everything like that. So whilst uh, Ramadan's winning this award, I'd like to give some shout outs to uh, a number of that team, uh, in particular uh, Tom Edwards a right-back who was getting talked about more and more for the right-back position uh, in the first team, and also for Tyrese Campbell, who uh, just seems to be scoring for fun and looks a real quality prospect. So both of them uh, should just just be mentioned, this thing, because we don't mention the youth team as often as we should, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'll give shout-outs to those guys. But the Wizards of Drivel, young player of the season, is Ramadan Sobi. Uh, now for... Wizards of Drivel moment of the season. So, Ben, what has been the one moment for you that has just made you so damn happy that you got to nominate it for an award? Oh, goodness. This is going to be quite controversial as well, I feel. Um, I took it as sort of my moment of the season, which is it's a very strange one, but the moment produced... A performance that I just don't think would have happened if if this thing didn't happen. Um, I thought it really sparked something special. It sparked um, a Britannia Stadium of old um, atmosphere for me. It was actually Arnautovic getting sent off at Southampton. Um, I went from from such a low at that moment when Arnautovic lashed out and got sent off. Um, I was just like, right, well that's ruined the game that I've come to and spent my money on. Um, I don't have a lot of money. But then 
it, it sort of completely changed the, the performance of the team. The fans got behind the team. It was a real sort of angry atmosphere, which I, I love to be involved in. I was shouting at the ref um, that I kind of regretted afterwards because I said some, some bad words. Um, but then <laughs> we, we got the result. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So for for a moment, that's how I interpreted this question. I sort of went all sort of English graduate or not that I'm not that I'm an English graduate on this question and that's what I'm going for sorry Dave okay fair enough uh, how about you <clears throat> well Dave um, I, I had a few down for this um, there are some some very honorable mentions but for me mine uh, my moment of the season actually came on the 25th of July. Uh, 2016 during pre-season um, where Stoke City Football Club adopted a nation didn't we we adopted an entire nation on that day didn't we because we <laughs> signed Ramadan Sobi on that day and and the whole of Egypt became our friends and brothers and sisters and cousins and and it was a lovely moment a lovely moment so lovely that Stoke had to block that entire nation because they were getting too carried away. So so my nomination for moment of the season is signing Sobby and a nation. So lovely that a lot of them ruined it through homophobia on Rainbow Laces Day. <laughs> but we love yeah, we love that, that wasn't fans. that that wasn't my moment of the season, Dave. Not that bit. The bit before, the bit before that. Okay. Not not the homophobia bit, Dave. Shh. <laughs> I did have some serious ones, but I'm not saying them now. <laughs> um, I have three moments of the season. Uh, Joe Allen's goal at Old Trafford, uh, and the the scenes yeah. that followed. The deployment of Ngoy, which is just, you know, wow. Um, the Yeah, influencing the Premier League. Um, uh, Crouch's 100th, which I think uh, we should give uh, due props to. Crouch getting 100 Premier League mm-hmm. goals. They're the moments we probably should have mentioned, Chris, there, mm. actually. <laughs> I, knew, I just knew Dave would do it, if honest. Dave's like the, the one who keeps us on the straight and I, narrow. Pri- providing this podcast with the strong and stable leadership it, it clearly needs. Now, what's the Wizards of Dribble worst moment of the season? For lots to pick from here. Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, 4-1 to Arsenal. We lost a lot this season, but that one was bitter. And, um, like, yeah, we've, we've lost a lot. I think it was losing to Spurs whilst we were sat in a pub watching it and just crying was a bad moment. But last week, I think, for me, is the, the worst moment of the season because... I expected so much more. Ben? Um, I'll mention three as well, if, if that's what we're allowed to do. I, I think Leicester 2-2. We've mentioned it already in the pod today, but that was pretty bad. Uh, Bojan going on loan to Mainz. mentioned that last week. That was pretty sad. Um, but I think the worst moment for me was, was Palace uh, losing 4-1 at the start of the season because Ooh. our season had just not gone off to the not got off to the start that we'd hoped for and and it just didn't get any better I, I actually had a quick look at the the BBC match report of that game um, and it says this is the third time this season Stoke have conceded four goals 
Since goalkeeper Jack Butland suffered an ankle injury in England's friendly win over Germany in March, Stoker failed to record a single clean sheet in the Premier League. You kind of forget these things. Um, worse than that, the Potters have won just one of the 12 league games the former Birmingham man has missed. Um, their hopes of collecting a first Premier League win of the season on Sunday were all but over inside the first 15 minutes at Selhurst Park. So just wanted to remind you all of that. So, yeah, have a nice evening. <laughs> I was going to go for Wolves or the Leicester capitulation, which is just more awful the more you think about it. Um, I don't, I don't know. This you both make compelling cases. I think, oof, I think I felt worse after the four-one to Arsenal than I did at the four-one to Palace. But just the fact we lost four-one to Crystal Palace, Alan Pardew's Crystal Palace as well. I think it's got to be yeah. Uh, it's got to be that moment for our worst of the season. Um, we'll rattle through these remaining uh, awards, like the foreign bits and the Oscars that you don't really pay attention to. Um, <laughs> Wizards of Drivel podcast moment of the season. Chris, what, what, what's your... Uh, the, my best podcast yeah. moment of the season is this. I Oh, gosh. Um, oh, there's, there's been quite a few. I think uh, getting hashtag deploy on Goy into tabloid newspapers was pretty impressive. Fair enough. Uh, ben? Um, got three reasons. Uh, accepting that boys do cry on the FA Cup special episode, uh, learning what the word... <laughs> learning what the word sanctimonious means mm. and um, finally, most importantly, getting invited onto the podcast on a permanent basis. It, you're still Aww. on a rolling contract, so uh, <laughs> don't get too comfortable. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, actually, I think I've, I think I've sort of ruined that tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, so moving on. Um, I'll, I'll give that to in, in deploying Goy. Well, uh, I think it has to be, really, doesn't it? Well Funniest tweet of the season. I just want to say this isn't a dig. I, I want to point that out first and foremost. It's very important because um, my my Stoke-related tweet of the season doesn't come from a player but comes from our brothers and sisters over at Stoke Loud and Proud and it's the words, sorry, admin, admin meant Vardy, not Arnie. Because for me, that's just the best thing that's Can you happened. provide the context for this, Chris? Yeah, oh god, so much. So 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 it, much context. Take, yes, take yourself back to two thousand and sixteen, the Euros and all that. And Marco Anoutovic, is he gonna stay or isn't he? No one knows. But Stoke Loud and Proud did. Stoke Loud and Proud did know. And they came out saying uh something along the lines of We're we're hearing that Arnie has signed a new deal and it's gonna be confirmed. Everyone's excited, I'm excited, you're excited few hours later a, a correction like you'd see in the newspaper <laughs> sorry everyone admin meant Jamie Vardy has signed a new deal at Leicester uh, not Marco and out of it not even the same club oops. or player that's the that's the cutthroat world of, of Stoke journalism for you you've got to get your facts spot on it, straight it, away it's you really do, but it's then sparked a whole year of people just replying to things saying, sorry, admin meant Vardy, to everything. Oh, and it's, but, yes, that's but, my nomination. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll extend a, a, a big podcast hug to everyone at Stoke Loud and Proud who've, uh, who've done, who've, particularly this summer, a, a, a calling a lot of things 
Um, whether whether they're right or not will remain to be seen on a few of them. But they've called a lot of stuff very uh, correctly uh, yeah. this season to give them their due. Uh, so you know, let let's all be mates in this in this Stoke media world. Chris is shaking his head. He hates you, <laughs> uh, Ben. I, I, I'm I'm st- I'm still blocked <laughs> by them. Sorry. <laughs> That means they can, they can never hear what you say on the podcast. Um, my funniest tweets were I actually had a look back through all my fun, my liked tweets and and I noticed one stage where a lot of them were the person that I was subbed in for Jace did a thread of cats cat gifts that re- replaced Stoke players and I thought that was a lovely moment. But I mean I'm not going to sort of well I am actually going to blow my own trumpet. Oh, but God. I tweeted. Uh, uh, a full a full minute of Chris's laughter, and if there's a funnier tweet than that out there this season, then I haven't seen it yet. That's yeah, that was one of my favourite. Very tweets. good. Um, my tweet of the season doesn't come from uh, a Stoke player or a fan. Mine comes from the chairman of Port Vale, Mister Norman Smurthwaite. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know where this is going. Who tweeted? earlier this season Valiance what you see before you in part is my repayment to the loyal and at times long suffering Vale fans this club demands the championship as of as of, uh, as of May Vale were relegated to League 2 sorry guys <laughs> um, so tweet of the season that's a tough one um uh, what did you say, Chris? You said, oh, you said uh, so loud and proud. S- sorry, uh, sorry, admin. Yeah. I think, I think just to have, have a dig at the, a dig at the Valiance, I'll, I'll go with my one. Uh, and overall, you guys, haha, it's my podcast. Um, well done to all the winners, to Norman Smirthwaite, to Jordan Shakiri, to Bruno Martins Indy, to Ramadan Sobby, to the deployment of Julian and Goy. Well done, well done, everyone. Um... So, before we wrap up for this season, um, we had a chat with someone who uh, took exception to our last episode. We um, we said some things on the last podcast in in the in the heat of a of a four one defeat to Arsenal that some people took exception to. So, uh, here's our chat with OKQ's user Grayman, also known as Mark. Uh, about about last episode and the sort of general fan debate. You're almost universally our harshest critics come from the Oatcake, but uh, we've finally got someone who's been willing to sort of uh, come on the podcast and explain uh, their issues with it. So Mark... Was, explain, uh, explain themselves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, Mark, I was hoping you in your own words could uh, sort of tell us what you didn't like about our last episode. Well... I mean, normally I love your stuff. I mean, I, I have to say that, um, I mean, normally I ignore most of the oat cake um, <laughs> for probably the usual reasons. But um, I think ever since Rob Doolan stopped blogging, you know, it's actually quite hard to find sort of intelligent debate about Stoke. I don't know if you agree with that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think, so I think the podcast is a really welcome thing to have. I, I think you went a bit off-piste on the last one, though, and that's why I kind of picked you up on it. Uh, that that being um, Chris, Chris's sort of uh, rant about uh, sort of Stoke fans appealing for perspective. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of half agree with what he said. I mean, I know it's a fairly extended rant, wasn't it? But I think 
I think what, what he, he got wrong um, is that he was kind of conflating two different things, which was um, how we're doing this season, which he's, you know, you know, I think most people agreed on on that. And actually, you know, the end of last season as well, all the same criticisms apply. Um, but I think in sort of basically taking the piss out of people who, who would say things like, um, you know, of course, we've been in worse positions than this. You're kind of getting into sort of slightly odd territory, I think, um, because uh, it's actually a valid point to say that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, whatever, whatever point they're picking up on, um, things were a lot worse, you know. And I, I don't think, uh, the impression that I get is that your general opinion is is not like some people who are portraying, you know, what's happened in the last year and a half as being the worst thing that's ever happened to Stoke City. I don't think you believe that. But I think you kind of were going down that road in the last podcast. Yeah. Can I can I jump can I jump in, Dave? Hi, Mark. It's, it is actually Chris here. Um, do you know what? I, I complete I completely agree um, with what you're saying. And um, <laughs> as a way of trying maybe to, to jump in and try and defend myself in this, and I'm I'm very much seeing this by the way. As you know, on Saturday mornings, BBC do that thing where it's like listeners can write in and then they get someone from the BBC to 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 illustrate point back. Um, no, I I I agree um, that. There, there is a heck of a lot of worse things that have happened in Stoke City's history, completely. I think my frustration last week was born more out of the fact that here we were at a point where we'd lost 4-1 to Arsenal, and it was a bloody awful display. And you were seeing, granted, sort of young people take into their social media as their outlet of frustration, saying that oh, they're, they're, rightly sharing frustrations we've all had and some fans coming back and saying that they were almost not justified in their uh, frustration because things had been worse and it was it was more the frustration that uh, that you you couldn't you can't you cannot criticize where we are now unless you've walked a mile in the shoes of those fans who've gone through um, through worse and whilst I do I, I, I appreciate that it's not the fault of maybe younger fans for, for not being alive in worse times. And, and, it, and, it's, and at the end of the day, it is all relative, isn't it? Like, uh, well, this... I, think, I think that's true. But I, I think the, the, the problem with it is, is I don't think, and I, I, I thought how I might express this, there are people who are singing this song, you know, that, you know that this entitled sort of sense of being in the Premier League thing that we've got from some fans. And you're not singing that song, but you are on backing vocals when you say the kind of things that you did in, in the last podcast. So, you, you know, we've, we've kind of, and, and this is a criticism of all fans generally, I think it's not restricted to any particular age group, is we're starting to become the sorts of fans we used to moan about eight or nine years ago mm. about what we should or shouldn't be doing in the Premier League. And... You know, and I think it's a separate issue to what's going on this season, which has obviously been, you know, uh, you know, it, the, the warning signs are all there about what might happen next year, aren't they? Mm. And it's, uh, you know, and, but that that I think is a separate issue. And yeah, I think I, actually, if you look up, in, in, if you look at in a, from a historical perspective, you know, and anybody's got this information available to them, you know, they don't have to have been watching the uh, team for ten years. Is where we are now is is about right. Um, I, I, but, yeah, I, I, but, I, I, you know, within the context of the last 18 months, 
it's 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 just a, a given that you swear, swore last week i'm going to do it now you know it's been a clusterfuck <laughs> for about 18 months now hasn't it you know and, yeah. and no signs that anybody's putting it right mm. and so i kind of see it as two separate issues not one would would you agree then that uh, I'm I'm assuming from you saying that you know you're not you're not happy with the last eighteen months? Would you agree then that fans are completely justified in their frustrations with how everything has gone? Whether they're right in their terminology of saying it's like the worst season ever or whatever. That that aside, you would agree then that everything is far from peachy. Well, I think everybody knows what the problems are. I mean, yeah. I. I I, I, it's just it's just baffling to me that you know we're not you know it's it's like the same thing every week. I mean I I listen to the podcast. You know you think the same points keep cropping up again and again, and it's not just you. It's whoever else is writing about it. You know whether it's Bunny or you know guys in the oat cake or whatever. Anybody with an informed opinion is saying exactly the same things every bloody week, and yeah. I, there's there's just no signs that things are going to change, and I think that's why people get frustrated. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's always it's always going to be worse on on social media as well potentially and and the fact that it's a podcast and and I think a lot of what had happened last weekend was was sort of a few moments minutes hours before we recorded on the podcast so obviously passions were quite high we just lost we just got annihilated by Arsenal it's always going to sort of come out maybe worse than worse than you mean it to but I guess the point of a podcast is everyone gets their opinion across and sometimes it's going to great but. Well, I, I think the thing, the thing that really pisses people off, though, is the predictability of, of not just losing to Arsenal, but the, the manner of it. You know, you know exactly mm-hmm. why we're losing this game. And it's just, you know, and I understand why people are frustrated. And anything, you know, that gets said online or on, you know, social media and stuff like that is, is distorted through the medium, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it comes across slightly wrong. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't know how you keep doing it every week, to be honest. I, I, bet you, I bet you wish something different would happen, you know, so you could, sure. you could say something different. I was going to say, just if we just to move away then, for you, Mark, if, I mean, all the paper talk has been of uh, Mark Hughes staying for this season. For, for you then, what next year, if we're keeping with Mark Hughes, what does he have to do for you, for you to be reignited with the project mark hughes well he needs to go back to what what worked i, I don't I, I honestly have no idea why he stopped doing it i mean i, I think that's the great mystery to me and I, I know football clubs are a mystery you know i think if you ever spend any time inside them which i haven't really uh you know it, you, it would just be baffling it's going through you know through the looking glass down the rabbit hole whatever um I, and i just I, I i don't know why it stopped i've got absolutely no idea no answers and I, I haven't seen anybody come up with anything credible either as an answer as to why, you know, we just stopped being the club we were sort of three years ago. It's just, it's just odd. Similar question then. What do the podcast need to do for you to keep listening? I always, I always listen to it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I subscribe and everything like that and I'll always keep listening. You know, like I said, I just, I just thought you went off piste at the end in particular. Yeah. And I, I thought if you're going to make it about age, then, you know, let's do it. And so, which is why I just got responded in the manner that I did, which probably wasn't entirely productive either. But I just thought, yeah. sod it. <laughs> let's, let's dish it back <laughs> yeah. up, you know, if they, if they're going to sort of portray, um, every supporter older than 25 is sort of, you know, a sort of bitter old Yorkshireman, then, you know, let's, let's do the other thing and say everybody under 25 
there's a there's a, an idiot student who bases all their opinions on FIFA 17. Yeah, so well, yeah, you've hit, you've hit, you've hit um, sort of the nail on the head, really. When when the team's in a really bad spell and uh, sort of opinions get expressed through social media, podcasts, whatever it is, that um, you you do find yourself. I've I've found myself several times this season falling into a kind of uh, a, cult, a culture of kind of um, ca- cartoonishly characterising fans. You know, you, older people think like this. You know, younger people think like this. And of course, the the truth is so much more nuanced than uh, anyone really gives it credit for. So. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think you know. It's not, I think the entitlement thing is not, like I said before, is not just about age groups. You know, I I can see plenty of older people who have lost um, uh, their sense of perspective. Yeah, as yeah well. absolutely. Because I, I, do you know what? Do you know what? I mean, I looked at the sort of league table this morning, and I just thought, when you when you actually look at it, if you just looked at the league table, we're in there with about however many clubs it is, eight or nine clubs within about two points of each other. Mm-hmm. And it, and it wouldn't look as though we were a million miles away from them. But in the context of, of what we see as fans, we can see that our uh, direction travel is, is the problem. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you very much, Mark. We'll let you get off. Um, uh, thank you for coming on and, uh, and explaining, explaining yourself, really. I think, it, I think it does help the podcast that we do hear dissenting opinions. Obviously, we might not like hearing them at the time, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, full credit to you for coming on, and uh, hope you enjoy yeah. this episode when it comes out. Yeah, I hope so too. And who, who was it who accused me of being Mark Hughes? Oh, <laughs> that wasn't one of you guys, was it? Maybe. <laughs> I honestly can't remember. <laughs> I, was it one? Was I it one of I, you guys? I, I, I don't think it wasn't I me. I, I see the Mark Hughes. You don't sound like Mark Hughes. Because no, I mean, if, if you are, that's an exclusive that we really need to market. <laughs> if, yeah, it's a one impression I can do, obviously, and I can only do it on Twitter. <laughs> so there's no career in that. Okay. Thank you. Okay, great stuff. Uh, Griff, Munden Griffith asks, does anybody know the reason why it seems the Bruno deal is about to fall through? Guys? Because Stoke City Football Club like to make us unhappy at the moment, apparently. And that, that would make us really unhappy. Um, and a related question from Lewis Loveridge on Twitter. If Bruno isn't available, is Ben Gibson an option? Or is he more likely to go to a bigger club? If so, who else is there that you'd like to see? Oh, um, I'd say Ben Gibson's a good good shout. Um, I, re- I really don't know. what. Um, I've not really seen any transfer stories with him being linked with other clubs at the moment but yeah why not why not um and to be honest i just want bruno fair enough um wyatt hunt says will jack butland stay with stoke longer than one more season or even past summer yes hopefully general good vibes about jack um yeah so i think that's that's a point to end the season on really uh thank you very much to everyone who's listened this season uh, it's meant a great deal um we're growing. We've been steadily growing in listeners throughout the season, and it's been great just to just to hear from all of you guys, uh, all your thoughts, all your questions, all your uh, voice clips that you've sent in. Everyone who's helped contribute to the podcast this season, we've much appreciated. Of course, we've still got our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel, and 
there'll be an extra episode out this month for patrons of the Wizards of Drivel. Um, for just $3 a month, you get two extra shows every month. So please help support us through that, and you'll get two extra episodes over the summer as well. Uh, for our summer plans, well, uh, we, we'll see what we can do, basically. I'm not going to commit to any kind of schedule because uh, we'll, we'll have holidays and various things. Uh, but we'll we'll try to... And you'll need to find a new member yes. after my sacking. Well, I, I wasn't going to announce it now. I was going to prepare a statement, but... Um... <laughs> now that I've mentioned so, it. Sorry, admin meant Chris, not Ben. <laughs> 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 um, yeah so we're, we're going to be a regular in the summer but we do have some ideas for episodes to do and we've got some potentially exciting guests planned as well so watch this space is, is our message to you uh, so th- yeah once again thank you to everyone who's listened who's helped support us uh, and of course you can still contact us we're not going to shut down all our social media and stuff over the uh, over the summer so at Wizards of Dribble facebook.com forward slash wizards of dribble and you can of course, of course still email us at wizards of dribble podcast at gmail.com but of course my biggest thanks of the season go to you chris brammer oh thank you as well as you ben cartwright oh thank you so much thank you dave for this podcast this season it's been incredible you've you've commentated so well on these on these great performances that we've seen and um yeah, thank you so much. And quite fittingly, my my, my voice just is just completely gone now. My, my throat's scratchy as hell. <laughs> just a, a season of chatting drivel about Stoke does that to you. Thank you, everyone. See you next season. Yeah.